0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at bite.com. That's BYTE.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today
1: with BYTE. This week on the Chicago Bears review. After Thursday's contest versus Buffalo, we can finally close the book on the preseason. But before we do, we see who survived the swamp of the preseason and made our beloved's final 53 man roster were there any surprises and what might they be all of this plus the Khalil Mack trade on the preseason week four review episode of the Chicago Bears review Well, this is a bittersweet occasion, a lot more sweet than bitter thanks to what happened this morning and carried over into the afternoon. The fact that the Bears have acquired Khalil Mack from the Raiders has definitely uh, taken the sting out of the fact that this will be the last official episode of the Chicago Bears Review. What's going on, everybody? Preseason week four review episode, closing out the preseason, closing the book on the show known to be the Chicago Bears review as cuz the next time that we talk to each other Thursday night, Friday morning, whenever you get around to listening to it this will be the Bears Talk Underground under the Armchair Media Network umbrella and the Armchair All-American. Speaking of which, I did get uh, Andrew Stevens back on the show. We'll close out uh, after we get done talking about the roster and the Khalil Mack trade and and everything else. We'll uh we'll we'll, we'll meet our brand new boss, if you will, Andrew Stevens uh from the Armchair All Americans, CEO of the of the group and, and and what have you and um get a get a good uh, um uh handle on what the Armchair All Americans are, who they want to be and and what the future uh may hold for us. I'm very excited to be a part of this group. You guys heard me talk about it uh last week and um you know I'm I'm real excited to see what the possibilities uh could be uh with these guys but uh to hell with all that for now. So uh, Saturday night, I or, or excuse me, Saturday mornings is usually my morning to sleep in. Uh, as a lot of you may know, you've heard me mention it over you know a few times over the over the years or the last few years. I am an Uber driver on the weekends. As a matter of fact, when I get done recording this episode, hitting the road, seeing if I can make some of that money, and. So Saturday night is my big morning to sleep in because generally uh, I'll be out on the road until about two, maybe three in the morning because I stay out until the bars close. That's when the money is good and um, sleep in. It would be sleeping in by most people's standards, but I'm usually getting a regular, you know, good six hours or so of sleep on uh, Saturday night slash. Sunday morning, because I'm usually not getting to bed till somewhere between four and five in the morning on a Sunday, which is really tricky considering that um, by the time I'm getting to bed on Sunday morning, which is, uh, you know, somewhere between four and I've, I've gone as late as six in the morning uh, that I've stayed up on a Saturday just from being up and, and wired and, and, and what have you. But uh, it's like by the time I'm going to bed on Sunday, I have a little bit more than 24 hours before I have to get up for work on Monday. Well, thankfully, it's Labor Day weekend, so that's not going to be an issue. But nonetheless, I'm dragging this out. Uh, Saturday morning is the morning that I usually like to sleep in, t- maybe 9, 10 o'clock in the morning, or actually more closely between 10 and 11 because I know that I'm going to be up late uh, Saturday night slash Sunday morning. Um, I opened my eyes this morning, um, wanted to check and see what time it was. I reached for my phone. I got my eyes open just wide enough to see the time on my iPhone, I have an iPhone. And those of you that have iPhones know that when you have those notifications on your screen, every notification is classified by that little icon in the top left-hand corner. So I can see which is uh, which is an email, which is a Bleacher Report, or Yahoo, or, or, or you know something like that. But then near the top, I had two green icons, which we all know to be text messages. So I'm like, who the hell, is texting me at 8-something in the morning. It was 8.44. I'll remember that for the rest of my life. 8.44. I So I opened my eyes to look at it, and the first one is my dad, and the one just below it's my best friend, Fritz. And both of them are like, we got Khalil Mack. The, the Bears traded for Khalil Mack. And my first thought was, well, I'm up. So it's like the hell was sleeping in this morning. I'm uh, I gotta find out what the hell's going on here. What uh, What did we give away to get our hands on this guy? And so of course, immediately I'm up. I'm going through my phone trying to dig through the messages. The details didn't come until this afternoon. I mean it was three, four o'clock in the afternoon before I found out what it was that the Bears actually gave up. All we know is 8:45 this morning, it was a done deal. The Raiders were talking to no one else because they had a deal with the Bears to send Khalil Mack uh, our way and holy hell guys we talked about it a couple of weeks ago when it when it became when it was just a story. Hey the Bears are one of the top places that that Khalil Mack is, you know, potentially going to end up at. Of course, the the horror in the discussion that we had at that point was that the other big suitor was Green Bay. And you can only imagine if the Packers had pulled that off the havoc that he would have wreaked on us for the next five to six years while he beat the crap out and ruined Mitchell Trubisky's weekend for six seasons or maybe even ruined his career just because he never got a chance to beat Green Bay because he had Camille or excuse me Khalil Mack up his ass for 60 plays a game for the for, you know twice a game twice a year for the next five years uh, and such. So it was a horribly horrifying prospect thinking that he could land in Green Bay because you know if he goes there, He's going to be an absolute nightmare. It would be the defensive version of an Adrian Peterson or a Barry Sanders coming into the division twice a year this guy's going to be kicking our ass and that's just all there is to it. and um, we talked about and, and I made it made it known then whatever it takes, because no matter who we draft over the next two years with these draft picks that we got we, we gave away the the probability of one of those guys out of the four picks that we sent. To Oakland, the probability that one of them would be the next Khalil Mack is so low because Khalil Mack is a -a once-in-a-lifetime talent. The guy is a defensive player of the year in 2016. He's a two-time All-Pro, 40-plus sacks in four seasons uh, in the NFL. He's been an absolute beast, and he's a difference maker. He's that one guy that you have to know where he is on the field at all times. Even if he's on the sideline, you got to make sure that he's going to stay there before the ball is snapped, before you figure out what you're going to do. He's on the sideline, right? We're good. He's, he's not coming out. Okay, great. Now we know what we can do because Khalil Mack is not out here. We know where Khalil Mack is. So that's how we're going to play this uh, today. So yeah, pretty, uh, pretty amazing that we were able to pull the trigger on it. And uh, Ryan Pace, A general manager who people have just wanted his job over the last couple of years because of the the way the free agency was a disaster in his first couple of seasons as general manager. They thought that he should have gone out with John Fox when he got fired, now being hailed as one of the most aggressive and boldest general managers in the NFL. Thanks to last year's trade for Trubisky on top of the the moves that he made in the offseason to help improve the football team, people were high on the Bears coming into the season. And now with Khalil Mack in the fold and the Bears signing him to a monstrous extension, six-year extension on top of the – he's playing out the fifth year of his rookie option this year, plus six more years on top of that. So the Bears have their hands. They have Khalil Mack under lock and key. For the next seven seasons, seven years, Khalil Mack is ours. For six years and $141 million, $90 million guaranteed, and a $60 million signing bonus, Khalil Mack is getting paid, but he's going to be worth every penny. I just... I just have a feeling about this. He's going to be a beast for us, much like Julius Peppers was when he came to town. Julius Peppers got insane money when the Bears signed him away from from Carolina uh, in free agency. And he was a monster for us for, you know, dominant right out of the gates in 2010, 2011, 2012 when we got our hands on him you know he was a beast for us 2013 2014 the team was struggling and uh you know that's where the productivity kind of fell off a little bit and what the big problem was for peppers more than anything because we know he was still a productive player for a few years in green bay he's still playing for carolina now it was more so the fact that we can probably blame jerry angelo for this but they kept rescheduling or restructuring his contract so much that his cap hit was just too much like, I, I, I'll i never understand the way that that NFL salary caps work. I'll, I, I've always been really, really good at math, but I will never, ever be able to figure out how a guy can be making 11 million dollars, but be a 18 dollar cap hit kind of thing, because that's what happened with Julius Peppers. when we had to let him go. He was only scheduled to make about 13, maybe 14 million in the 2015 season. But his cap hit was like nineteen, close to twenty million dollars, and it was just too much for the Bears to absorb that year. But that's because the the Angelo kept restructuring his contract to make room for the people, or pay Matt Forte, or do what whatever he had to do. He kept restructuring Pepper's contract, so it was so backloaded that uh, the last couple of years on that five six year deal that we signed Peppers to was wasn't you know the Bears couldn't manage it. So. We ended up having to let him go, and he went and kicked our ass for a couple years in in Green Bay. Anyway, who knows how it's going to all going to go with with Khalil Mack? But he's playing the final year of his rookie deal, the fifth year option that the Raiders picked up last season. So only thirteen mil this year, but it's like next year and the six years after that, it's like twenty four million per that he's going to be making uh, for the with the Bears and. Um, it's a lot of money. It's a definitely a lot of money, but it's it's the right time for the Bears to make a move like this because of Mitchell Trubisky. And because Mitchell Trubisky is on his rookie contract, he is making a very pedestrian for a quarterback anyway, a very pedestrian 7 million for the next 3 seasons. So you know, and then the fourth, the fifth year option, it would probably jump to like eighteen uh, or nineteen, because I'm I'm sure that uh, we'll be in a spot a couple of years from now that the Bears are picking up that fifth year option on Trubisky. Knock on wood that that all goes the way that it's supposed to. But but nonetheless, we got at least three years. Of having this quarterback, much like the, the the Seattle Seahawks had when they had Russell Wilson, and they were dominating on defense, and they can afford to pay those guys because they had Russell Wilson on. Not only did they have him on a rookie contract, they had him on a third round pick contract. So he, I don't even know if he was making a million dollars a season. When he was, um, you know, being when he was the star quarterback for the Seahawks, taking them to the back-to-back Super Bowls and and all that kind of stuff. Before Russell Wilson got paid a couple of years ago, he was making a third-round pick's salary, so he was uh, he was bargain basement compared to what uh, uh, you know Trubisky uh, is costing the Bears. But seven million a season for a starting quarterback is bargain basement for a quarterback in today's NFL, especially since the Packers just signed Aaron Rodgers for like 33.5 mil a season for that extension that they just gave him. That was going to be the story heading into next Sunday's game uh, with the Packers. When we have Evan Western from Acme Packing Company on Thursday night to preview uh, the game, that was going to be the, probably the crux of the conversation was, well, Aaron Rodgers just signed the biggest contract in NFL history uh, for you know making $33 million a year and, and, and so on and so forth. You guys got him locked up till like 2022 and, and blah, 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 blah. Not anymore, Jack. <laughs> we just got the best defensive player in football, signed him to the biggest defensive contract, sorry, Aaron Donald, uh, in NFL history. And he's ours for the next seven seasons to be terrorizing the Green Bay Packers and probably putting another Bear Hall of Famer, uh, sending another Bear Hall of Famer to Canton you know, thanks to, to the Raiders for, uh, for picking him and, uh, for, for being stingy with the checkbook because the, the bears are more than happy to pay the man what he deserves and, and give him his proper due, bring him to Chicago. We can bookend him with, uh, Leonard Floyd, add him to a defense that's already got Eddie Goldman, Keem Hicks, uh, Adrian Amos, Eddie Jackson, Kyle Fuller, Prince Mukamura. Oh yeah. And, uh, Danny Trevathan and Roquan Smith uh, manning the middle of the field. It's getting ugly out there, baby. It's getting ugly out there, and the Bears are, have gone from that defense like, yeah, they got some really nice stuff going on on that defensive side of the ball to like, holy hell, they've got animals all over the place. So it, it's become that unit, and I'm so excited to see. And it, actually, that's one of the reasons I've actually cut – a segment from the show. I was going to come in here and, and do the picks that stick, would be our 2018 predictions for the NFL season. Because, quite frankly, as hugely optimistic as, as I was coming into the year, what I am now is even more so. But I've also got no idea how this is all going to turn out now. No clue. You know, I, it's, 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 I was talking to a buddy of mine about this earlier today. We were going back and forth uh, about the Khalil Mack trade. And it's like, I, I honestly don't know what to expect from this team now. I mean, I, I know that we all expect positive, great things. And for some people, their expectations may have just gone through the roof because of this trade and adding him to an already solid defensive team. But could you honestly, at this point, brand new coach, A bunch of new players, uh, you know all the rest of that stuff, playing in in one of what what we talked about all summer could be the toughest and best division uh, in football. Everybody seemed to get better in the division this year. Somebody's going to have to finish in last place. Who's it going to be? Would it surprise you at all if a the Bears won the Super Bowl this year would you be surprised with everything that we did to improve the team this year if it all just came together at once with Nagy and the offense the defense coming together with Khalil Mack being the stud megastar on that side of the field Trubisky in a, a rising star in year two of his career with Cohen and Howard behind him now he's got awesome targets with with Javon Wims and and and, and Allen Robinson Taylor Gabriel Trey Burton and, and all the rest to them on the offensive side you know it, it, would you be surprised if we put it all together and won the Super Bowl this year and then honestly honestly now would you be surprised if we still only went 8 and 8 and finished third or fourth in the division it's like honestly I wouldn't not this year because we've talked about it before 2018 does still feel like a transition year like holy cra- you know and i somebody posted a really great article i think it was somebody from bears barroom uh posted how the the, sh- the the bears are paralleling the the rise of the cubs and and, and you know kind of uh, showing like like putting these two teams Side by side, from when when uh, you know Theo Epstein came to town and when Ryan Pace went to town, the move that they made here and how they went there, and and how it went with this coach, how it went with that coach, uh, manager for the Cubs, and, and so on and so forth, and how we closely parallel what happened with the Cubs, it's happening with the Bears, and, and going out and getting making a significant deal and getting their hands on a guy like Khalil Mack would almost be like the Cubs signing John Lester, and now we have the ace of of our pitching staff and so on and so forth we got all these young guys that are homegrown that we're building up like a leonard floyd or a trubisky a jordan howard a, you know a Tariq cohen finding an eddie jackson and uh you know eddie goldman you know finding an akeem hicks would be like a jason hayward uh type guy you know he's just super awesome and and, and so on and so forth it's just the, the parallels between the two we're really stri- it was a really smartly written uh, or really article that I read. I really enjoyed it, and and I kind of feel like this is the 20th, and I think that's what the article said, that this is the 2015 Chicago Cubs. This is that team that's going to make a big leap forward. We might even make the playoffs, but we're going to come up short this year because next year, 2019, that's the year that the Bears are going to be the best team in football and run the table and, and win the Super Bowl I believe that. I honestly believe a year from now we will be the favorites to do it all. We will be the ones that are going to be looked upon after having the season that we're going to have this year. Uh, I'm still thinking, you know, eight and eight, nine and seven. At this point, we're, we're just a just a year away. I think just a year away. But also, I wouldn't be surprised if we went 12 and four, 13 and three. And ran the table in the NFC to win the Super Bowl uh, this year. It wouldn't surprise me that it happened because it all just kind of came together at, at at the moment with you know with with Nagy and changing the culture and Ryan Pace being super aggressive with his moves, the same way Theo Epstein was super aggressive with his moves with the Cubs, you know. and, and at the same time, while being aggressive, building a team that's sustainable, building a team that's going to be at it and be contenders and be in your face much like the Cubs are now they won in 2016 they got back to the playoffs last year made it all the way to the NLCS which would be the NFC championship game the Bear, or the Bears the Cubs the Cubs I should say have the best record in the National League right now they're on their way yet to to yet another uh, division title they're going to be heading back to the playoffs and what they do in the playoffs we'll, we'll find out as we go along and uh, that's what Pace is trying to do that's one of the things he said in his little manifesto when he sat down with the media for the first time was that statistic that he pulled out the Green Bay Packers have 46 guys on their roster right now 45 of them have only ever been Green Bay Packers that is what um uh, pace is trying to build here uh, with the Bears and he's on his way but every now and then you have to bring in a guy like a John Lester or a Jason Hayward or you know somebody like that that's going to help and you know maybe an older guy that's going to help show the guys the, the younger guys show them the way and, and help them along in their careers and show them how to be winners and so on and so forth so that's what Khalil Mack is hasn't had much winning uh, you know, unfortunately, he was a Raider for the first four years of his, his career. Only one good season under their belt, a uh, one in which they were cursed and lost their quarterback just before the playoffs, or else I think the Raiders could have been something in, in the 2016 playoffs if uh, if um, uh, Derek Carr would have stayed healthy uh, that year. Who knows what would have happened, but, you know, it's uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited. But I, I just I have no idea what to do with this team now. I don't know because, you know, just your gut instinct, you look at the schedule now and the Bears are going to go 16-0. and 0. Just look at it. It's like, yeah, we're not going to lose anything. Well, maybe we might lose to the Rams, but the Rams are coming to Chicago in December. We'll win that game, right? You know, it's just kind of how it all, how it all falls uh, and everything. It's just like this is, uh, you know, you look at the schedule now. The Bears can win all of these games and that's what you want. That is what you want. Not like when we looked at the schedule last year with the roster that we had and be like, oh, Christ, we could start 0-5 if we're not careful is what the way we are looking at it last year. It's like we would be damn lucky to win a football game out of these first five or six, the first eight games of the schedule were brutal. And we were like dancing in the streets when the Bears went 3-5 and five last year. But, um, you know, I don't know because, like I said, you look at the schedule now like we can win all these games. Every single one. With 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 Mac on that defense. Jesus Christ, we can kill anyone now. And now, you know, but that's where you have to be. That's why I'm I'm doing away with it. I'm not gonna do the picks that stick this year. I'm not going to make the predictions. I'm just going to sit back and watch it all unfold. I just want to root for my Bears and, and watch it happen. I cannot wait for Sunday night to get here. I can't wait to talk to Evan on Thursday night. I can't because the two of us are super excited about what's happened with our team in the last 72 hours. With uh, Green Bay you know, signing Rodgers to that extension on Wednesday or Thursday, the Bears making this move with Khalil Mack. We have the top paid player on offense going up against the top paid player on defense. Head-to-head, Sunday night, these two guys are going to be going at each other. It's going to be awesome to watch. And I'm, I'm not watching the game at home. I'm going out someplace to watch the game at a sports bar. And here I am living in Iowa where it's like cats and dogs living together as far as Bears and Packer fans always being out uh, with each other. I just hope I don't rub and run into any dickheads who want to rub it in if Green Bay does well or, or whatever. But nonetheless, it's going to be exciting and I can't wait. I cannot wait for it to all go down on Sunday night. The knee-jerk reactions on the review show should be very, very interesting uh, next week. Looking forward to that tremendously. So there it is. You know, the the, the, what the Bears gave away, I don't think I've even talked about that yet. Uh, First-round picks in 2019, 2020, so two first-rounders there. A sixth-rounder in 2019 and a third-rounder in 2020. However, we do get Oakland's second-round pick in 2020. So we won't have a first- or a third-round pick in 2020 But we'll have two second round picks. So we got Khalil Mack and a second round pick uh, in 2020. And we also got a conditional fifth round pick. I'm wondering what the condition is uh, on that. But listening, I read when I read Ryan Pace's statement earlier today, I think he's confident that whatever Khalil Mack has to do in order to make that fifth round pick a reality. He's confident that it's going to happen. So right now, Ryan Pace is thinking, looking at the 2020 draft as though we have two second rounders. That's a guarantee, but also two fifth rounders because we're going to get that conditional uh, from the Raiders. So there you have it. And then we've already talked about the contract, the six years, $141 million, largest contract for a defensive player in history. $90 million guaranteed. God, that's a lot of money. And then $60 million signing bonus, so Khalil Mack is getting paid to be a Bear. I can't wait to see it. I already saw a video on Twitter today of the the equipment manager or the, the seamstress or whatever for the Bears stitching the Khalil Mack nameplate onto the number 52 jersey, and I got chills. I can't wait. Can't wait to see it. Um, it's very much reminiscent of how I felt when we signed Julius Peppers to get an elite Top level defensive player like we got when we signed uh, Julius Peppers. That's this guy. Only this guy is I think three or four years younger than Pepper was. Peppers was when he signed him. Definitely still in the prime of his career. So we're getting him at the top at the best best point in his career in his physical, uh, you know, athletic life. He's going to be a bear, and we've got him locked up on, for the next seven seasons. It's so awesome. So. How about the other guys that uh, are going to be joining Khalil Mack on the team uh, this year? So why don't we talk about them for a little bit? First, let's go quickly over the the names of those who uh, who the Bears let go today. Um, let me see if we got some bullet points here. Uh, Jonathan Anderson, even he's been injured the entire preseason, so it's more of an injured reserve, you know, cut uh, kind of thing. I think he's Technically, the Bears are waving him, so he's listed as a wave. But I think he's under the Bears until he's healthy. Then he can be released and and be able to be a free agent for someone. But uh, nonetheless, uh, Jonathan Anderson was given up something because Jonathan Anderson wore number fifty-two, so that wasn't going to work anymore. So um, that that number belongs to somebody else now. Um, let's see. Tanner, Tanner Carew was a long snapper. I had no idea. Uh, Demarcus Ayers, the wide receiver, was let go. Jonathan Franklin of the Last Chance U fame was let go. Tanner Gentry, unfortunately. And these are all guys that got waived. So these are all guys that also have the potential to be uh, practice squad players. So if they clear waivers, the Bears can sign them and bring them back in for the 10-man uh, practice squad. Uh, Brandon Green, the guard, Doran Grant, who had a pick six against Buffalo uh, on Thursday night. Oh, by the way, the Bears did play a game on Thursday night. Uh, they kicked the crap out of Buffalo for three and a half quarters and then forgot to play defense for the last few minutes of it. Uh, gave up 25 points in the fourth quarter to lose it, 28 to 27. And that is all I'm going to say about that. Um Let's see, Garrett Johnson, Malachi Jones, both wide receivers, both let go. Michael Joseph, now here's a guy, we talked about him before, um, Chicago native, um, went to the University of Dubuque, a Division three school. This guy has fought and clawed and, you know, scratched his way to get to the NFL, um, played in the preseason, and um, he, he got let go today, and hopefully he clears waivers so the Bears can bring him back. You know, I'm thinking maybe a, a year or two from now, Michael Joseph. With the way that this guy's done, he all he's done is work, work, work to get where he is. I'm thinking that he gets, if he gets the opportunity, he's gonna make a good investment for somebody. I really do. Just listening to his story, I think that he's on the right way. The biggest surprise out of the names on this list, number one on that list, would be Cravon LeBlanc. Cravon LeBlanc was let go by the Bears today. Um, Jonathan Mincy, Taquan who who is. Uh, basically the main running back for the Bears, him and and Ryan Nall, also let go. Um, Those guys were the running backs for the Bears in the preseason because Jordan Howard, Tariq Cohen, barely played uh, in the preseason this year. But uh, both Taquan Mazzell and Ryan Nall uh, put on waivers by the Bears, along with uh, Jordan Morgan, who was the one member of the 2017 draft class that didn't contribute to the Bears last year. He was let go. Hopefully he can make it back as a, uh, a uh, practice squad guy. Uh, let's see who else we got. John Timu. That's the other big name. So Timu and Cravon LeBlanc would be kind of the, you know, for lack of a better term, marquee names that were let go today uh Savon walker who had a decent day uh, against the the bills had a had a big sack on him uh you know was was causing all kinds of pressure uh basically had a good audition tape on thursday night for the uh for the bears against buffalo he was let go by the bears today as well i would say he's probably a strong favorite to be a practice squad guy if he clears waivers uh for the bears so those are among the names that were let go uh contracts that were terminated these are uh veteran guys that uh, our, our free agents can sign with anyone. Um, Nichols, Nicholas Williams, Matt McCants, John Jenkins. Uh, Benny Fowler was let go today. Kasim at a That is, you know, and I think that's more of an injury thing. Uh, Kasim went down with, a, with some kind of leg injury uh, during the game on Thursday night. I thought he was a good he had a good chance uh, to make the team. Uh, until that happened uh, Nile Davis the running back was let go also Tyler Bray who actually looked good uh, for the most part against Buffalo one of my biggest things watching Tyler play through the preseason was I had no doubt the guy could throw a football through a steel wall if he wanted to he's got an amazing arm but he couldn't hit the broad side of a barn with his accuracy and uh, he actually had a really good night throwing the football uh, against Buffalo so I was very impressed with the way Tyler Bray uh, played the Bears just going with two quarterbacks for now so hopefully uh, they can get uh, maybe get a practice squad quarterback or or something like that or, or maybe even uh, because the thing is I'm about to read the 53-man roster and Khalil Mack isn't on it yet so some, one At least one person on this 53-man roster is not going to be on the team when the Bears play Green Bay uh, on Sunday because they have to make room for Khalil Mack somewhere. So and, and I've got the number one guy on my list. I'll share him with you here in just a moment. But here it is, your 2018 Chicago Bear 53-man roster going by position. Quarterbacks, no surprise here, Mitchell Trubisky, Chase Daniel. Running backs, Jordan Howard, Tariq Cohen. Benny Cunningham, no surprises there. Uh, fullback, Michael Burton. <sighs> to tell you the truth, man, I'm kind of pissed off at Ryan Nall because I think he could be a good fullback slash H-back if he would just do the job. I really do because that one of the thing because you heard him talk about it in the preseason, one of the reasons that he came to Chicago, I think he turned down more because he's an undrafted free agent so he can sign with whoever he wants for however much he wants he decided to come to chicago turning down money from other turning down better money from other teams because the bears said they'd let him play running back so he came to chicago to be a running back doesn't want to be a fullback or an h-back or something like that and um you know i think that's a big reason why michael burton is on the team and and ryan nall uh is not because we know that nall can run the football which is another reason why if i'm nall i do it just say that i'll be a fullback but you're a fullback who can run the football. You've proven that. I think he, if he, at the very least, he led the NFC in rushing in the preseason. Who's to say he didn't lead the NFL? I'm not even 100% sure about that. If he didn't, he was close. He was up there. He led the NFC for sure. That's a stat I did see today. Um, he led the NFC in rushing uh, yards in the preseason. So, yeah, I, I'm disappointed. That he's sticking to his guns about the whole running back thing, when there are teams that you you probably could have made this roster. I believe wholehearted he would have made this roster if he would just let go of the um, if he would let go of the running back thing. Because who's to say with a guy like uh, uh, Nagy and and everything? Who's to say he, they put you out there? You know, I'm, maybe it's because he. I don't know. Is he is he a good? Rec- I never saw him catch the ball during the preseason. What kind of receiver he is that we've seen Michael Burton catch passes out of the backfield. Maybe maybe he's got crappy hands. Who knows? But uh, nonetheless, Burton made the team. Ryan Nall did not. And I blame Ryan Nall, to be honest with you. He played well enough to make the squad, and if he would just give in and 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 let himself be a fullback or an H-back or something like that, who knows? You know? But sticking to his guns about running back, and now he's hoping that he clears waivers, or, or maybe somebody picks him up. Who knows? But um, Moving on to wide receivers, no surprises with any of these. Uh, Kevin White, Allen Robinson, Josh Bellamy, Anthony Miller, Taylor Gabriel, and Javon Wims. So my prayers were answered on that one. I put out a tweet the other day saying that if the Bears, um, like Javon Wim's outplayed being a practice squad player uh, in the preseason, especially with his performance last week against the Chiefs. Uh, if the Bears let him go hoping that he'll clear waivers they deserve to lose him well they weren't dumb enough to put him on waivers he's a 53-man roster guy so Javon Wims is our sixth receiver actually probably Bellamy is our sixth receiver but nonetheless Javon Wims makes the team he's going to be out there for us tight ends we kept five Um, Trey Burton, Brent Broniker, Daniel Brown, Adam Shaheen, Deion Sims. No real arguments there, but if it came down to a choice, you know the odd men out would be Broniker and Brown. I'm taking Broniker. I liked what I saw from him more in the preseason than I did uh, with Daniel Brown. I really liked the way Broniker catches the football. Offensive lineman, um, I got this in, in numerical order, so the first name on the list was the big surprise for me. Jaronis Grasu made the 53-man roster. Eric Kush, Cody Whitehair, James Daniels, Rashad Coward, so happy for that guy that he made the squad as because as, he played awesome in the preseason. I was really, really impressed with him. Uh, Bobby Massey, Charles Leno, Kyle Long, Bradley Soule, really no big surprises there. Defensive line, Jonathan Bullard, Eddie Goldman, Roy Robertson-Harris. Akeem Hicks, fifth-round pick, Bilal Nichols, also making the final man, final 53-man roster. Only four inside linebackers, Nick Kwiatkowski, Joel E, oh, excuse me, Yoel, EA Booneyway, Iggy, Roquan Smith, and Danny Trevathan. Outside linebackers, this could change um, because we got another guy that's going to be playing that position uh, that isn't officially on the roster just yet. But um, Isaiah Irving, Kylie Fitz. Sam Acho, Leonard Floyd, Aaron Lynch, and there's the guy number one on my list <laughs> that we'll be replacing when Khalil Mack becomes an official member of the football team. Aaron Lynch should be the guy that goes. Uh, cornerbacks, Prince of Mucamora, Kyle Fuller, Sherrick McManus, and I heard there was some rumblings about him not making the team. I was like, that's bananas. That guy's our special teams guy. We got to keep him. Uh, but he made the squad. Marcus Cooper, there's a surprise. Uh, Kevin Tolliver. Uh, undrafted rookie free agent, uh, LSU, I believe, and Bryce Callahan. Or the corners: Deion Bush, DeAndre Houston, Carson, Adrian Amos, Eddie Jackson are the safeties. Cody Parker, the kicker, Pat O'Donnell, the punter, and Patrick Scales, the long snapper. So some of the top people that could be losing their spot when we add Khalil Mack to the roster, and if the Bears, you know, check out the waiver wires and add somebody else, uh, they've done it a few times um over the over the couple of years ryan pace loves to make moves man he's always looking to improve the football team you got to love that about him but uh, guys that i could see losing a spot uh my candidates obviously aaron lynch just because uh daniel brown Horonus grasu those are the guys that i would expect to possibly be casualties uh, when the time comes that Khalil Mack becomes an official member of the 53-man roster. Because somebody out of these 53 man, uh, 53 men, somebody's got to go to make room for Khalil Mack when he becomes a, a full-fledged roster member. So somebody's going to go, and those are my top three candidates. Daniel Brown, Jaronis Grasso, because he, he wasn't good during the preseason. He just wasn't, and James Daniels is a better center than he is and who can also play guard. He has that versatility. That's versatility that Horonis G- Grasu does not have. Eric Kush can play center, he can play guard. Uh, you know, so we we you know, you got to be when you're an interior lineman, you have to have that versatility and Horonis Grasu has the worst kind of versatility is that he can only play center. He doesn't have it in him to play guard and that makes him extremely expendable in my opinion. And then of course, you know, like I said, Aaron Lynch that guy and his uh, sandy vagina, they need to go. So, yeah, to, to, to get rid of Aaron Lynch in lieu of Khalil Mack, I'll take that deal all day long. So there they are, the 53-man roster as of today for our beloved Chicago Bears, and uh, that's who we're going to battle with on Monday. You add Khalil Mack to that, you take one of these guys off this list, maybe another roster move or two if the Bears make any kind of uh, waiver claims uh, this year, we'll see how that goes down. Uh, we'll mention those on uh, Thursday uh, when we talk to uh, Evan Western to preview the game between the Bears and the Pack. Thing got a whole lot more interesting with, with Rodgers and his contract extension and then the blockbuster deal the Bears made for Mac. I mean, it, and the other thing that was really kind of blowing my mind today was that this was what everyone was talking about today. So the for the Bears to be center stage of anything is unfamiliar. Nobody talks about the bear. No, it's there's, there's very little that happens where everyone is talking about the bears that never happens. And it's been happening all day today. It's been amazing to, to look at and on where the the bears and the bears and Packers are on the tip of everybody's tongue, uh, this week or this weekend because of this trade. Now everyone, this is, and it's, you know, the NFL has to be absolutely just drooling over this, that number one, it was the, it was going to be the marquee matchup of week one. Anyway, the hundredth year of Green Bay Packer football, Sunday night, bears Packers, the oldest rivalry in football and so on and so forth. But now with the highest paid offensive player on one side, the highest paid defensive player on the other, they can't wait to get their hands on this game. You know the NFL is just drooling over this. I bet you that whatever promotion that they were going to do going into it, they've doubled it now. Khalil Mack versus Aaron Rodgers. It's Bears-Packers. Sunday night football, the start of the 2018 season. Watch out. You know, I can't wait. So there you have it, folks. There's our 2018 roster. Uh, the, those are uh, my, my feelings on the Khalil Mack trade. I am th- over the moon about the trade. I am over the moon. The, the price I, I feel will be minimal. Uh, the price that I feel will be. We won't be looking back on this the same way that people look back on the uh, Jay Cutler trade. The, the, we won't be looking at that. I still don't regret the Jay Cutler trade. I think that I, I've said this before. I regret that we signed him to that extension. Uh, heading into 2014 i believe i think that we should have franchised them for 2014 see how that goes and then figure it out from there but um you know still phil emery so he had one more bad move in him before we ended up and it ended up being the end of his career as a general manager that was it after he did that but um nonetheless i don't feel that we'll we'll be looking at this with any kind of uh regret it's it's not even the same thing you know, when we traded for Jay Cutler, it was more about the potential. Jay Cutler had been to one Pro Bowl. He had shown flashes of greatness, and the Bears had always been missing a, a solid starting quarterback, and Jerry Angelo was determined to go and get one, so he did. Um, it was more about the potential of what could be with with uh, Jay Cutler, and that was that has been the disappointment over that trade was that it just wasn't, he just didn't put it there. We, we saw the same things in Chicago that, we, that people saw in Denver was flashes of this, that, and the other. And he just never really had the supporting cast around him to make it happen. So in hindsight, a lot of people think that was a bad move. I don't agree with it. I think that the last few years was the bad move, giving him that long extension that kind of handcuffed the organization to him. We should have just given him the franchise tag in 2014 and then figured out the rest from there, maybe put ourselves in a position to get a Mariota or something like that into the in the 2015 draft because God knows the first-round pick that we ended up with. He made the roster this year, but he's been a disaster for us, and that being Kevin White, it was like we didn't have a first-round pick in 2015. But I, this is going to be different. Khalil Mack, arguably the best defensive player uh, in football, one of the best, if not the best, you know, a, a top 10 player in the league let alone defensive player and um you know in the end i kind of feel like the the compensation in this trade will be negligible by the time it's all said and done this is not going to be a move that we as bear fans regret unless somebody runs the poor bastard over with a car and kills him before he can take a snap (laughs) otherwise this is going to work out great and we're all going to praise ryan pace we're going to build a statue of him in front of uh, soldier field when the bears win the super bowl a year from now so That's how I feel. So there you have it. There's our 53-man roster. There's my two cents on the Khalil Mack trade. Over the moon about that, dude. I cannot wait for next Sunday. What we're going to do right now is uh, we're going to introduce ourselves and be introduced to Andrew Stevens of the Armchair All-Americans, the Armchair Media Network, which is going to be the new home of the Bears Talk Underround, which debuts on Thursday night. Uh, with the week one preview, so new season, new name, new intro song. That's the other bittersweet part of the day is no more Ozzy Osbourne kicking things off for us anymore. It'll be Jeff Black and 35 Black will be our new theme song. We'll, you will hear it uh, on Thursday to go along with the outro that we already use uh, with them. But uh, new new, name, new intro, new home, new beginning. And uh, the Bearstock Underground will be the home for... Me and you come Thursday. So the only thing that's changing, we got a new name, we got a new theme song. We're going to have a couple of ad reads throughout the show. So I need you guys to be patient with that and, and help me out with it uh, when you can. And uh, otherwise, it's going to be the same old same old. Larry D, same old passion for Chicago Bear football, near jerk reactions, bear ups and bear downs, so on and so forth. Nothing else is going to change. So I'm glad you guys are going to be on this ride with me. So let's meet our new boss, Andrew Stevens, from the Armchair All-Americans. So here we are, take number two of the conversation with uh, Andrew Stevens. We tried this a week ago, uh, Andrew, and it was meant to uh, kind of introduce you Uh, to the uh, Chicago Bears Review slash Bears Talk Underground fan base that's been with me all this time and yet introduced them to you and the Armchair uh, All-Americans, the Armchair Media Network that we and I are becoming a part of uh, this year. So how about we try this again? Welcome to the Chicago Bears Review slash Bears Talk Underground. And uh, thanks so much for being on the show.
0: I really appreciate you having me. I think this is the audio version of a Measure Twice, Cut Once.
1: There you go. Yeah, yeah. So right. we, we we got a little long-winded, Uh, did about 10 minutes talking about the Cubs last week. So maybe we won't do that this time. And we'll just talk about the Armchair Network and, uh, you know, how it came to be and uh, where we see it going in the future.
0: Yeah, well, with college football on at the present moment, I think uh, our Cubs talk was just a little bit more filler to try to bring us into to real football season, but no, sure. I am uh, de- definitely down to talk a little armchair, talk a little football. So, um, I guess the inception of it, and and we were kind of talking about how how you had led into what was kind of the come to Jesus moment, if you will, on on why we started armchair. And so, one of the big things that I- I'm originally from baton rouge louisiana went to university of georgia so sec football has kind of been my bread and butter growing up obviously big saints fan as well um but we wanted to try and create sort of a localized product to where we just found that um when i was covering the team for two years in school all the reporters were either just driving in from atlanta generally not observing the day-to-day of what was going on on the college campuses and so we kind of wanted to try and create a product that tweaked that a little bit, and the way that we found, uh, I guess the way that we we were trying to end up bridging that gap was a lot of peer-to-peer content. We were able to get access to some athletes there, and so from there, we decided to sort of expand it and said, if if, if this is something that it's looking like could work for the college um, scene, maybe we could scale it up to include professional sports, and so the biggest thing, um, I guess, like I was talking about the, the sort of keystone moment, if you will. Um, I was working in the press box and for those that are familiar with SEC football will probably remember this game, but it was Georgia versus Tennessee in 2016. And Georgia threw a, about a 50 yard touchdown pass with 10 seconds left. Um, then they botched the, the, the squib kick. Tennessee ended up with it in Georgia territory through a Hail Mary. Um, and ended up winning as time expired and it was like one of the most improbable comebacks in college football history based on whatever metrics or whatever um but i just remember sitting in the press box there and there were everyone around me was like all right we don't have to deal with overtime thank god and it was just a very like i, I i'm like on the ground like nearing the fetal position like trying to come to grips with the season is probably over i hate tennessee i don't want to see their stupid puke and piss orange around Athens anymore but I don't know I just remember seeing and saying we got to be able to do something that's different than all of these people just showing up and being forced to almost work a job that should be um, filled with passion and should be extremely exciting and so that was really the realization moment that we could probably if if we sort of navigated and traversed the media waters right we could create something um, that kind of hasn't been touched on in, in the the traditional media outlet
1: yeah and it's um, it's it's something that, that that's kind of always bewildered me. Um, it's like I know that that a lot of reporters you know including you in that particular moment you're a native, uh, you know from Louisiana you're not a you weren't a Georgia guy you became one because that's that's your school that's the team that you followed the exact same thing happened to me when when I went away to Western Illinois I was majoring in in broadcasting and and we were calling the games for the Western Illinois football team it was a student-run production uh for the for the one A program and over time I fell in love with this team you know and it just seems like it the, we were talking about it just before we started recording guys that are like beat reporters for their teams in, instead of kind of getting attached to that team and, and, and getting close to them or, or feeling close to them or being passionate about them. It, it almost seems like they with, withdraw and, and go within them, themselves kind of thing in, in, in a way of trying to remain objective or unbiased or something about the team that they're following. And it just seemed like such a foreign idea to me.
0: Yeah. And I guess um, just something that I noticed, and, and certainly just me as sort of a young single guy, it my perspective is definitely a lot different on it, and, and there are kids and family aspects that come into play. But for the most part, a lot of these people that are working in the church tr- in, in, in media outlets right now, if I, I, I saw someone was at South Carolina the year before I started there, worked on the Georgia beat with me, and then moved on to Kentucky um, two years after that, and so. Certainly there is something to be said of of working your way up the media ladder, but there's also a very, um, I don't know, I I think there's a large removal process from what part of the, or or what some of the best parts of those jobs are. I think an extremely interesting thing just for me working, I worked Mark Rich last season in Athens and then Kirby Smart's first season. And so it was really interesting to just see, Um, how narratives change and how sort of storylines developed and was able to work uh, under my boss at two, four, seven. Now he was able to, he had worked George, the Georgia beat for the last 16 years. I don't know. He he kind of instilled a little bit of that in me as well. and, And sort of, being able to know everything that has happened about a place that you're extremely passionate about over the years and seeing things develop um i just think a lot of that is missed when you kind of just hop from job to job and school to school wherever the uh the, i guess the best monetary or or exposure opportunity may be
1: yeah it seems to be uh you know hard to to have loyalty when you're you don't know if, if you're going to be around next year. So maybe that's what it's like. But I'm talking about guys that have been with the team for for years and years, like some of those old school guys that have been uh, like that one guy in Houston. He's kind of chubby in the face and, and all that. That guy's been in Houston oh, sports yeah, 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 for yeah, yeah. as long as I've been alive. You see him on NFL Network all the time for those top 10 countdowns and, and all that stuff. He's got that scratchy voice and everything. That guy's been a Houston guy forever. You'd have to think you know, he's been following the team for 30 years. Why wouldn't he be, you know, passionate or happy or excited when, when something goes uh, well? And, you know, is it so much of a job that like, like when you mentioned like, Oh, Oh no, no overtime. That's great. These guys are more concerned about clocking out than they were about, you know, Georgia's season may have just ended just in this very moment and no one really seems to care.
0: Yeah. And, and it's almost a removal process to where, um, I don't know, just the, the the more the team wins, generally the more eyeballs that people have. And, and I would imagine, like, I can tell you firsthand, Georgia in the last year of Kirby Cur- or Mark Rick and even the first year of Kirby Smart is absolutely nothing like the coverage of the team today. And I think a lot of those beat reporters are getting more access and getting more eyeballs and really sort of being able to leverage themselves a little bit more um, because of the exposure that Georgia has gotten on a national stage. And so, yeah, I definitely... Um, it doesn't really make sense to me, but I guess speaking a little bit of Georgia, um, well, speaking a lot of Georgia, the Bears are definitely going to be probably my my biggest NFL Sunday ticket, like, flip back team. Whenever it's not a Saints game or red zone, it's definitely going to be seeing a little bit of Roquan flow, how Javon Wims. I, I guess since we've last talked, Javon Wims even had A more impressive game and so definitely excited to brag uh, brag on him a little bit
1: yeah well I mean absolutely I I just I put out a tweet earlier today with the with final cuts looming that I I think that that uh, Javon Wims has definitely outplayed the practice squad I think he's a final cut guy to the point where if the Bears are going to let him go hoping to put him on the practice squad they should they deserve to lose him after the way that he has played uh, when he's been given the opportunity. I, I think that you know it would be silly uh, to let him go and gamble with somebody else picking him up, just hoping that he'll clear waivers so we can put him on the practice squad.
0: Yeah, and especially at a value contract like he is, I just have to imagine that he's not going to clear waivers when some other teams could be thinking, all right, we got a little high-priced veteran guy, maybe. Um, let's sort of take a flyer on this guy and see what he can do I mean he's a big body wide receiver solid hands I think that if the Bears don't end up picking him up he's on he's on a 53 um, by the time games start next week
1: yeah I, I definitely agree so so let's talk some more about the about the network itself and you know as you mentioned in, in the start started out as more of an SEC based thing but in since then it, it has expanded so what all does the network encompass at the moment
0: yeah. So our big thing is, like I was saying earlier, trying to locally source all of these different things. And so something that we wanted to do with that is we didn't really want to cover sports from a city perspective per se. We wanted to do it more team by team just because, I mean, as as a personal example, um, Chica- I'm a Chicago Cubs fan. I'm a Saints and a Pelicans fan. But when L- when Louisiana Sports Radio goes to LSU talk, I kind of tune out. And so we're trying to sort of sectionalize that as much as possible so um, our goal we really started uh, early 2018 on the media side of things or the audio side of things and trying to build that out and so we're up to about 42 team specific podcasts right now and so um, a lot concentrated in college sports but um, we have a Saints podcast a Falcons uh, we're bringing on a Browns and a Steelers as well as the Vikings and so we're definitely bringing or or branching out into um, the professional sports as much as we can and a a big goal with that is to be able to um, before games sort of when storylines break be able to have people like yourself hop on other shows and and sort of give your your perspective and your take and um, really bring yourself in front of another audience and sort of vice versa. And so if we can get it to be self-sustaining, if you will, I think that it has some real potential to uh, have everyone sort of build and grow together.
1: Yeah. And it definitely sounds, you know, and it sounded like a really great opportunity. That's why I jumped on it. Um, you know, no matter how I got onto your radar, I'm happy that I did and uh, you know, happy to take part in this uh, in this process and pretty much getting in on the ground floor, with it, you know, to, to be like five years from now, who knows what it could be?
0: Yeah. And, and there's definitely, um, I I mean, I think we've seen it in, there's hundreds and hundreds of sort of startup media outlets. Um, but the way that I refer to ourselves right now is, is the world's greatest garage band. And so (laughs) I think that it's something that we definitely have honed in on our operations and our voice and our vision. And, and I think that, people are starting to see, um, over, I probably say the last the course, of the last six months, really what we've been trying to do for the past three or so years. And so I think that we've learned how to operate the media landscape a little bit better. We've just gotten more intelligent about what we want to do. And so I, I think that, um, over the next 12 months will definitely be, uh, one of the most interesting times just because it'll probably be that of, of involving rapid change if things go well. And so, um we're certainly glad that you can be in on the ground floor with us and uh having having an audience like yours and a host like yourself i think is going to be exactly in line with what we're trying to build is what we're trying to have people that are want to follow these hosts and they want to connect with them and i think that um the reason i found you is you, you seem to be very engaging and very interactive uh on the podcast and and on social media and so um, excited to have you on, and, and I'm thrilled to see what we can do with the NFL side of things.
1: And I'm and I'm excited to 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 see about see what's going to happen there uh, as well. Uh, who do the Bulldogs have this weekend?
0: Georgia has Austin T. and Austin T.'s running back is out, so I think we're pushing near 50 point favorites. So, <laughs> but I'll I'll tell you this. I will tell you this. In 2016, the last time Georgia was a more than a 50 point favorite. I think it was a 52 point favorite against Nichols, and they won by two. And so, um, definitely a different team. But uh, I think I just have so much uh, emotional scar tissue from Georgia of years past that I'm I'm still not even even 100 confident about Austin P.
1: Right. Yeah. I. Um... <laughs> 50 point favorites oh that's hilarious i mean you gotta love these week one college football matchups i mean a a lot of teams that are going like austin p going to to athens to play georgia those guys are, are are looking to fund their athletic department for the next year as opposed to going out there to be actually be competitive with the bulldogs as far as like having a realistic perspective on why they're actually doing it whereas the george is george is almost treating it like this is actually our our preseason game when we get ready for whatever's coming next and 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 getting ready for another grind through the sec schedule
0: yeah and these rental wins are always kind of interesting just because it's sort of turned to where um some people are now looking down on them just because now you sort of have to make a, a as compelling of a resume as you can for the college football playoff committee and so you'll it you generally – it's generally polar opposites. You don't really have any of these kind of of middle-of-the-road games. It's either these two – I don't want to say juggernauts, but high-profile teams playing at a neutral site. Like you have Washington and Auburn um, in Atlanta and not the highest of profile, but like Texas Tech and Ole Miss are playing Michigan, Notre Dame. And so it's either that or you have these – FCS teams that are kind of just taking their $900,000 and getting the crap kicked out of them and then leaving.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, you even have like tonight, um, the closest college team that I grew up next to, I, I grew up in Evanston a suburb of Chicago um, Northwestern is actually playing right now against Purdue kicking off the season with a big 10 game. I've never seen that before, but uh, you know, it it's some, some schools are taking it, taking taking a you know with a with a grain of salt as far as the whole college playoff thing and we'll play whoever the hell we want week one and then there are the teams like Purdue and Northwestern who are kicking off the big tens kicking off the season against each other in a conference game that's definitely way more important than a lot of games that are being played tonight
0: yeah no no and I uh, I threw some money down on Purdue uh this evening and so definitely interested to uh to see how I I only I, I have I don't know if I'm a gambling addict, but I am controlled enough to know that I can only bet on football. So uh, for whatever that's worth, I guess that's that's some modicum of self-control.
1: Yeah, I, I guess so. I don't know if you're going to turn me into a a gambling junkie with uh with our sponsor that we that we have that I'll be talking about on the next episode, but you know we'll see how it all uh turns out. I don't have a lot of money to burn, man. You might have a you might have a problem on your hands. So we'll yeah we'll have to so see. I, yeah.
0: Absolutely. That uh, certainly, certainly always, always an issue there, but no. Yeah. My bookie is uh, going to be very, they have some quite the interesting prop bets. I think they have uh, you can bet now on is Bono going to be the next Pope? Um, is Lane Kiffen going to be involved in a co-ed scandal? Um, they actually only have the yes option for that one. There is no, no odds for is Lane Kiffin going to be involved in a co-ed scandal. So, but
1: oh wow, no, very, so, very
0: excited that football's back.
1: All right. Real, real quick, before I let you go, uh, you are a Saints guy. They traded for Teddy Bridgewater. A, did you like that? And B, is he going to be your quarterback next year?
0: So, A, I do like it. It's a it's a third-round pick, and I think if he doesn't re-sign, it is, the pick is translated into something else. I need to look at the details of it. But it ended up being extremely friendly for the Saints because from what I read, um, they're the Jets seem to be going with Darnold as their guy, and they kind of want McCown there to be almost a little, the mentor. And so um, I think Teddy was really viewed as an insurance policy. And when they found out that Darnold was the guy they wanted, kind of were shopping around to get whatever they could for him. I like it. And, no, I don't think he's – I put it on – I think Brees has – I think he's going to – he's on a two-year contract right now. I think he's going to finish that. And then I think he's going to sign one more one year and then be done. So I think he's got three years left. And so I don't know what happens to Teddy after this.
1: Right. It's, it's, it's going to be uh, interesting. And I, I think that I read online that um, if Bridgewater signs with somebody else, the compensatory is a third rounder in return. So I, you know, it could be that, um, you know, maybe they're just getting a pick. That's about a dozen or so picks later than where they would have been picking had they kept it. So, I think it is actually a third round pick that they get back if he signs with somebody else.
0: Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, I think that's, I think that's exactly what it is. And so, I mean, very low risk for the Saints. Bridgewater hadn't played. I mean, I, I would say competitive football or meaningful snaps in all basically two years now. And so I'm definitely interested to see, but I think he's turns 26 in November. And so I think it's definitely worth taking a. I don't even know if it's that big of a risk, but a guy that even if you resign can probably get him on a cheaper deal just because he's not really going to have the game film in the last three years to uh, to warrant that high of a contract.
1: Yeah, I mean, is is uh, I mean, how, was was Tom Savage that bad or, or something like that as a, as a quarterback in the in the preseason for them to to make coming? I mean, they've already given up their one to Green Bay for next year, so giving up a third. You know, so the first two days of the draft, they got one pick in the second round right now. So they're giving up some draft capital. That a they must be really confident in what they have, and and b what they didn't have with the quarterback position, they must have really been concerned with to make a move like this.
0: Yeah, Kaysum Hill was really moving into the backup quarterback role, and for the college football fans, he was the BYU like dual threat quarterback that was our gunner on special teams last year and so he's been running um he and Savage have been running with the ones and twos Taysom Hills had two very good uh preseason games and one very very bad one and so um I think he was just a little too volatile and I think that Savage just was kind of I don't want to say past his prime because I don't know if he necessarily even had an NFL prime, but past his competency, if you will. But I've also sort of just resigned to the fact that if Drew Brees goes down, the Saints are not going to be a good football team and that they probably shouldn't mortgage a future to try and limp into the playoffs on a on a non Drew Breesless or on a Drew Breesless team and then get waxed in the first round of the playoffs. And so um I don't think everyone can be Philly, I guess. Right,
1: right. Well, Andrew, thanks so much uh, for, for coming on to the show. I'm, I'm happy to be part of the family now, and we like to welcome you into our family and one that's going into its 12th season now. I can't believe I'm actually saying that out loud. Season number 12 of the Chicago Bears U slash Bears Talk Underground. And, uh, you know, I'm excited about this year, excited to see how the how the season turns out, excited about the Bears, excited about this opportunity. And I, I want to thank you for being on the show.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for for having us. Thank you for getting back to my initial email and uh, really excited to see where we can go with this.
1: Andrew Stevens, head honcho over at the uh, Armchair All-Americans, the Armchair Media Network, and uh, telling us all about it and uh, filling us in on what the future may hold. Great talk that we had there with Andrew Stevens, the uh, the CEO, the head of the Armchair All-Americans and the Armchair Media Network. Really excited about being part of the team. Can't wait to get started. And uh, that's going to do it for the show. Guys, just need, the only thing that I need from you this week is to pay attention to uh, the social media because the Twitter handle is going to be changing. So if you're already following, you're going to be fine. You'll still be following it after I uh, change the name. But there's going to be a lot of information this week, where you can go to find the show, if you download it straight from the website, uh, the, the, the the URL for the Chicago Bears Review, Becoming the Bear Stuck Underground, that's going to change. The name of the show obviously is changing. If you're already subscribed to the show uh, on iTunes or, or wherever you uh, get the podcast from, you're going to be fine. If you're a follower on, on Podbean, you know, it, you're know you still going to be able to get the show. If not, keep a close eye on the Twitter. Keep a close eye on the Facebook page this week. I'll be giving out information on the, on the brand new URL, uh, the URL for the Armchair All-American page, uh, and everything else to be able to find the show as we make this transition from, you know, solo independent Larry D to Larry D, part of the Armchair All-American Media Network. So uh, keep an eye out for it. Uh, I'm so glad you guys are coming on this journey with me, and uh, it's going to be nothing but bigger and better things for me and for the Chicago Bears uh, going forward. 2018 is turning out to be a really great year for everybody, so I can't wait to get into it uh, until then uh, on Thursday. Signing off for the very last time, this has been the Chicago Bears Review. May it rest in peace. <laughs> May the Chicago Bears Review rest in peace. Long live the Bear Stalk Underground. We'll see you next Thursday.
0: There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. <laughs>